1: markets, speculation, and risk. This is the Chat With Traders podcast, hosted by Aaron Fifield.
2: What's good, my friends? Welcome to yet another episode of Chat With Traders. This is number 212. Now, my guest is someone who several listeners have requested, and also the person who Stan Gloosman made reference to in the previous episode. It's Swedish swing trader, christian Kulamagi christian's been trading the u.s equity market full time since 2011 and although he got off to a rocky start he's arrived at a very rare level of trading success i guess you could say christian is a member of the eight figure club having realized tens of millions in trading profits which is only more impressive given the fact that he's a self-funded Independent trader. Well, trader, gamer, (laughs) I know Christian thinks of it more as a video game nowadays. So, things we talk about. To start with, we go back to 2011 and discuss Christian's beginnings, which includes his origins as a day trader. From there, we get into how he evolved into a swing trader, how he discovered and researched profitable setups, and then we do a deep dive into one of his setups a breakout strategy. Last of all, links to everything mentioned and referenced throughout this episode can be found in the show notes at chatwithtraders.com slash two one two. All right, here we go ladies and gents. My guest, Christian Kulamagi. Christian, I wanted to ask you first thing, uh, when did you actually start trading? What year was it?
3: It was uh, in 2011. Okay. But I started investing in 2010.
2: Okay. And when you started trading, did you go like straight into it full time or was it just sort of a bit of a, a side hustle?
3: It was, uh, I, I went into it full time pretty much uh, from the beginning. It was um, just, um, I was uh, in the final months of my, uh, like getting my degree in uh, biomedical laboratory science and then I got into this trading thing and uh, it completely took over. (laughs) I I just focused 100% on that. So I kind of just dropped out of school just in the end uh, to focus on the trading thing. So yeah, you could say I went all in.
2: (laughs) Oh, so you didn't even finish your degree? No. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a a real commitment. (laughs) Did you have a part-time job or anything like that at the time?
3: Yes, I actually did have, a, I was working as a security guard, like a mall cop uh, or something similar um, as uh, yeah, as a part-time while I was studying. So I had uh, options in case the trading stuff wouldn't work out. So I had, you know, security net, you know, I could, you know, just finish my degree or I could, you know, do the security guard work.
2: Yeah. You had a little bit of income as, as some support. Yes. So how much money did you start out trading with?
3: About 5,000 US dollars was my first attempt.
2: <laughs> that was your first attempt. Okay, so I presume there was probably multiple attempts then?
3: Yes. In the first couple of years, I blew up three or four times. And I started with, the first time I started with 5,000 and the other times I had like three, three, four thousand 4000. U.S. dollars, something similar.
2: How long did it take you to blow up each of those accounts? Like were they each short-lived or was it just kind of small losses over time, just slowly grinding away at your account?
3: Yeah, so first time, it's kind of funny. I actually paper traded uh, for a week or two because, you know, I read around that everyone said you should paper trade in the beginning. So I paper traded and I doubled that at my paper trading account. In, uh, in two weeks, and then I started uh, trading with real money, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be rich. This is like May 2011, and I, I-, I was thinking, hey, I'll be rich uh, by fall. Uh, what in re- <laughs> happened in reality, I lost most of that money in the first two months. Then I went back to my security guard yo- uh, job, and um, for six months or so, saved up money, started again uh, with a few thousand, three thousand maybe, blew up again and a uh, few months to six months of uh, intervals. And it actually, the first one was the shortest, but every time I blew up, I learned something new. I improved a little bit and uh, it took a longer and longer uh, between the times to blow up.
2: And did it rattle your confidence when you were losing this money?
3: Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It was a horrible experience. That was my life savings <laughs> at that time. I was maybe 21 years old and I had saved up for, you know, for years.
2: So as I understand it today, you're, you're mostly a swing trader, if not entirely a swing trader, but when you first got started, you were day trading. So I'm just curious to hear a little bit about what was your experience like when you were day trading?
3: I got into day trading because um, the people I found on the internet, on social media, they were mostly day traders. So that's what I did too. And uh, uh, I didn't really know there was any other types of trading. um, So I thought trading was day trading. And in the beginning, I really didn't have any method or system or anything. I had no idea. I just followed what other people did that I perceived to be good at trading. Uh, but i really had no con like, I didn't really know what I was in the beginning, what a stop loss was. I didn't know position sizing. I just went all in on all trades and I didn't know anything about like trailing stops or like profit taking and what to expect from a certain setup. As I, in the beginning, I really didn't know anything. I just did things randomly and, uh, it was obviously very stressful and uh, scary. Were you trading the U.S. market right
2: from the get-go, or did you experiment on your local market there?
3: Yes, I did uh, start with the U.S. market, so I, I realized early that's that's where the uh, that's where the action is. So I never actually bothered with the Swedish stock market um, at all uh, when it comes to trading. I just focused completely on the U.S. markets. That's where, that's my trading software and all of that. It was just US markets only. I didn't even bother getting anything for the Swedish stock market.
2: Okay. So at what point did you begin gravitating towards swing trading?
3: It took, it was uh, maybe a couple of years after I became profitable. Or maybe a year after i became profitable in 2013 about two years exactly two years after i uh, started trading i realized i look at a lot of stocks i looked at charts and i actually went through all this uh, stocks in the u.s markets and i I realized that the, the big moves take months weeks and months and years to play out day trading is you know it's it's really hard to catch like a 100% move or 50% move unless you're lucky and get into one of these micro small cap high flyers really early and you know that have to double on the day but it's it's very hard to catch those So I realized I I, uh, and I also found uh, other people uh, on social media that were actually swing trading. So I learned about swing trading and I also read some books where that talked about swing and position trading, which is a little bit longer term swing trading. So that's how I gravitated into it. I realized it has better risk reward and you're not fighting near your entry all the time. Uh, in day trading you're always near your entry most of the time but in swing trading if you get a really if you, if you catch a big one you know it, it's it's gonna be the stock is going to be above your stop for a long long time you don't have to worry about it you don't have to constantly look at look at the stock and monitor it I um, realized that it's also much more scalable like back then I still had a very small account but I I realized it that you know if, if my accounts would grow it it's easier with a with a bigger account because in day trading especially the types of stocks they traded mostly micro and not microcaps or yeah micro caps too micro and small caps they weren't most, many of them weren't super liquid and even I had some issues with liquidity and slippage on some stocks they traded so that's also something I I realized Kind of early that gravitated me into swing trading, uh, but the process took a couple of years before I went from a uh, 95% day trading to 95% swing trading. It wasn't an overnight thing. It took it took it took time, one step at a time. It was very uncomfortable um, in the beginning holding stuff overnight because I had been brainwashed with that. Oh, holding stocks overnight is uh, very dangerous. You can't control your risk. But it's it's not true. You can control your risk. It's called position sizing. And also, if you check out, if you check the like the earnings states and if you if, you, if it, it happens to be like a biotech company, make sure there's no pending data or FDA uh, um, decisions. You know, it, it's not that dangerous. <laughs> the trading is much more hazardous. I would say.
2: Okay, it's interesting that well, from the sounds of it. That you did actually start to see some consistency and some profitability, uh, day trading before you actually did uh, make that switch across to uh, or eventually switch across to swing trading.
3: Absolutely, uh, I I I uh, I probably made my first million mostly day trading. All oh, right. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but everything after that has mostly been swing trading. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, I was profitable. Uh, consistently profitable for uh for a couple of years before I went uh, uh mostly swing trading obviously it was a hybrid approach for a while there in between
2: okay that really is quite interesting actually i mean if you've made a million dollars day trading and then but you still see bigger opportunities in swing trading you know when you did make that first million dollars how did your mindset towards trading change like did you did you envision that you would go on as you have done today to make tens of millions of dollars? Like did you see that as like sort of your your trajectory now like you knew that was coming? It was now just a matter of time or did you still have some doubts about how big you could get as a trader?
3: Yes, in the early years when I um, in the first few years after I started making money, I it was still um, like, I it was still at times hard to believe it since the first two years when I was mostly losing money, it was such a uh, horrible experience. Like, I got scars for life, I was constantly depressed. And, and when I started consistently make money, it felt like unreal. It's like, is this really happening? Like, I, I can actually make a living off of this. Is it just pure luck? But after a while, I realized like, okay, no, it's the same. um, What I'm pretty much doing, I'm just trading the same patterns that occur over and over again. And if uh, if I can, uh, you know, find the same patterns that applies to swing trading, I I can, I can scale it up. And uh, and, uh, the way I saw it was I would make the same amount of money, but with less effort because day trading is really a lot of effort. But... The way I didn't maybe really see it scaling up, um, as like, it wasn't really my first priority. What I wanted to do was like, make the same amount of money, but with less, less effort. Uh, because I was really, I was getting tired of sitting like, you know, from open to the close in front of the computer, looking for trades when i saw some other people who were, who were swing trading who were mostly doing their entries maybe first hour of the day and then it was just monitoring their positions rest of the time they really didn't do much uh, rest of the day or they and uh, yeah so that's really what i was after like <laughs> i'm uh, i'm a lazy person so what can i say <laughs>
2: <laughs> gotcha i'd like to know a bit about when you did kind of make that that transition across to more of a swing trader like how did you seek out how did you discover the setups that you were going to trade like what was that process like the i'm talking about the research and the studying here to find the sort of patterns that you would go after
3: yeah so the uh, setup ideas i got from uh, from uh, a guy a stock b that's where i got a step idea and i also uh, read uh, a book by William O'Neill, How to Make Money in Stocks. Uh, and that's where I really got these set up ideas that these uh, you know, stocks move in the same patterns as they have done for 100 years. So what I did, I, I went into my uh, sharding software and pretty much went through every single US stock and I looked for those specific patterns that I had uh, stumbled upon thanks to the book and the, this uh, guy, Stockby, and I realized, wow, I mean, it's the same patterns. Like nothing is different. It's sa- it was the same patterns in the uh, early 1900s and even late 1800s. It was um, the same patterns in the 50s, same patterns in the 80s, in the 90s, and it's, it's the same patterns now. Uh, that was maybe, what could it be? Maybe 2015 or something. So I realized wow this is if I if I learn this if I really master this these setups like this one setup uh, which is a the, just a breakout setup and the variations of those uh, of that setup I I can really wow like it it felt like I had stumbled upon a gold mine really
2: And how did you begin to build confidence in those setups
3: It was a Combination of studying the patterns. What I did, I built a uh, data a database in Evernote, which is pretty much a note-taking software. I took screenshots of all the setups before, after, uh, both on the daily and like the intraday uh, timeframes, just to look at how what what uh, how does a good setup look like at the start of the move, or before the move, when it starts breaking out, and like a few weeks, a few months after, like how does it how does it act? Um, and I looked at all these variations and uh, that's how I built the confidence. And I started uh, trading the setup myself too. And I saw some success and, and it felt like I was always improving. I was always uh, learning a new variation or, you know, something, something new. So that's really how I built the confidence. It, it really, like I say on my stream too, like everyone should do it. Whatever setup, if you stumble up on a setup and you want to trade it, like back test it like like look through like look through hundreds if not thousands of examples of that setup and build a database and go through that database once in a while uh just scroll through it that's how you memorize this it's, it's all about pattern recognition really trading is all about pattern recognition and you can it could be just purely technical and you can also uh, combine it with fundamentals like i do i also look at theme uh, what's the theme what's the earnings, revenues. I look at the news overall, like what's driving, what, what's driving the stock. Um, so I, I found some similarities there too. It's the same things that have worked for a hundred years, really. That's how you build the confidence. That's how you do it. There's no other way.
2: Well, let's go into this a lot further. I'd love to do a deep dive on this particular strategy. I mean, as I understand it, I think there's there's kind of three different setups, which are your main types of plays nowadays um i mean we we could go through and we could talk a little bit about each of those setups but i think it would be most beneficial just to pick on this one particular setup and, and go and go deep on that so before we do just summarize for me the objective of the strategy like what is the goal here what is it trying to achieve yes
3: yeah, so the simplest of the um uh, three methods I use is it just uh, a breakout, uh, uh, on the, on the daily, daily time timeframe. Uh, you really don't need any intraday, uh, to look at the intraday time frame for that. I usually do. I use the 60 minute charts too, just to get a little bit of a zoomed in, um, view. If you look at the stock, like any stock that say doubles or triples or quadruples or whatever were a period of months or years, it's pretty much the same patterns you have a leg higher obviously not every stock moves like this There, but, but a lot of them do they they move like stairs okay so let's say you you have a stock or a stair with say 10 10 steps okay let's look at something it's like any stock that's has like gone up for three four years so you have a leg higher and then it usually goes sideways or pull backs, pulls back and uh, Many times uh, what happens is the volatility contracts, like it gets tighter. And then you have the next step higher and the same thing happens, it goes sideways or pulls back and it gets uh, uh, like builds a range um, where volatility, ideally, not always, but the volatility usually, like the range gets tighter. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to identify that those stair steps and buy it just as it, it's about to break out uh, into the next uh, into the next step. Obviously, you can have different timeframes on these uh, things. You can you know hold them for maybe three to five days, or and just sell into strength, or you can try to hold for uh, bigger moves, uh, like even try to hold for, through the next uh, several steps, uh, and maybe use. The moving averages, like I do, the 10 and 20 day moving averages, trailing stops, and try to uh, go for a bigger move. Uh, do fewer trades that way, um, or do more trades by just buying breakouts and selling after three day, day three or five, because that's how they, that's how stocks move. They move in momentum bursts, as uh, this guy be where I uh, learned to set up from. And, you, you know, and I verified it myself. This is really how stocks move. If you identify the right, right stocks, obviously, like, abs- like, momentum is a big thing. The stronger the stock, the better, which is counterintuitive for many people. But that, that's true. Uh, like the stocks that make the biggest moves are usually that keep doing the biggest moves. And I'm talking about like real stocks that go like like, like mid and large caps mainly. Uh, not these like pump stocks that are really, really popular right now, these uh, like micro small caps that go up on total hype and make a 200% move in a day. That's not really the types I'm, I I trade, even though if I still was a day trader, those are the stocks I would trade because those are the ones that are the biggest intraday range. But just to clarify that that's not really uh, what, I, what I do anymore. Uh, I look for stocks that have like 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 this like when i talk about the first leg higher those moves are usually several weeks uh, and sometimes even several months and there's obviously many variations of that but that's uh that's how stocks move pretty much like you can look at any stock look at tesla that's a perfect perfect stair step pattern look at look at nio uh, like just take some big flyers big you know some of the leading stocks recently Look at something like Apple over the years, or Google. Um, obviously, those are maybe a bit slower type of movers, but it's the same patterns. Just you can choose to we what uh, how fast of a move you, uh, of a stock you want to trade, and obviously you want to be in the fastest moving uh, stocks.
2: What do you typically do? Do you hold for that? Uh, kind of initial burst of momentum and sell after a few days post breakout or do you generally try and ride it through a few steps as you describe
3: yes i do it it depends on the stock oh, um, like if there is um, like if a stock has a run-up into catalyst um, like an earnings or or, or anything a presentation um, if it's a very hot stock in a very hot sector, um, I usually, I like my my core uh, belief. Is I Like I want to hold stocks for as long as possible. I really don't want to sell them until I absolutely have to or feel like I, feel like I have to uh, for any any type of reason. Uh, but I usually sell some like the first move higher. If you buy a successful breakout, that's the most. Like that that's uh, the most predictable part of the move. So what I usually I always sell some into that first burst uh, to lock in a little bit of profits. Maybe I sell twenty percent or twenty five percent or it can vary a lot. Uh, just lock in some profits and and uh, now I can now it's a stress free trade pretty much uh, even if it would stop me out. I would still, uh, worst case scenario, break even or maybe even make money, uh, depending on how much I move the stop higher. But sometimes, if the, if it's an earnings are just a few days away, and I still buy it because it looks really good, um, I, and if I don't have a big profit padding, I really don't like to hold uh, hold my positions into earnings or into any type of catalyst. I just sell it. I don't, I don't want to risk it like, you know, things could go anyway, you never know. And uh, yeah, I, I just want to control my risk as much as possible. Uh, I don't really like to gamble um, over, over earnings, for example, if I really don't have a big profit padding already. Right.
1: Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the US markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com chat to learn more. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Um, now you briefly touched on stock selection there. I'd just like to go into that a little more. Um, you said you're mostly trading these these larger caps, um, how do you scan and how do you identify the stocks? Like, what exactly are you looking for in a company?
3: Yes, yeah, so I scan for... Uh, I, I also, uh, like like uh, like I like you said, I mostly trade large caps nowadays, but uh, just a few years ago, I traded a lot of... When I, my accounts were much smaller, I traded a lot of mid caps and small caps too. I'm, I'm just forced to trade the large caps nowadays because they are the most liquid um but it's the same it applies to any uh market cap stock really so what i scan for is the strongest stocks with a certain uh with a certain liquidity like i use 150 million dollar cutoff but just like two years ago i i think i had like 20 million uh, dollar dollar volume cutoff uh, on my scans and what i do i scan for the strongest stocks the strongest two percent of stocks um in uh, Different time frames like the um, one month three month six month 12 month and 18 month time frames to, cap, to to find all the biggest movers over these time frames like I said before it's the biggest move uh, movers the strongest stocks that make keep on making the biggest moves so that that's how I find those the most liquid stocks that I can find that are that are the strongest.
2: In an ideal scenario, like what criteria do you want checked off before you actually get into the market? Like before you hit that buy button, what exactly do you want to see?
3: Yes. So obviously I want the big absolute momentum uh, uh, and also a big relative momentum to, towards other stocks. It has to be a very, very strong stock. Um uh, over any time frame, Let's say a stock has tripped, uh, sorry, doubled over the past three months. Yeah. So, so that's like, that's a lot of momentum in a stock. So what I want to see is like, it's very hard to describe these, um, like it's, it's very intuitive. You, you can't really scan for this. Like I always, you know, people I always ask if you could like scan for these patterns, and I always say just scan for the strongest moving stocks. The patterns you have to learn yourself. But like linearity, like how orderly is the pullback or the sideways uh, consolidation after the previous leg higher in the stock? It's very hard to describe it. But what I usually want to see is, is let's let's say a stock uh, doubles in three months, and then it pulls back. Maybe it retraces a third of its move. And usually when stocks pull back, like these momentum stocks, they pull back to the 10 and the 20-day moving averages. And I want to see how they act around those moving averages. What I want to see is they start building, like either they bounce off the moving average, let's say the 20-day, or if it starts building higher lows above the 20-day, and then just getting, like the chart gets tighter over the next few weeks or the next few months. Uh, that, that's, that's called linearity. Um, like people post like on my stream, people post uh, setups all the time. Like, do you think this is a good setup or, or is is that a good setup? And uh, like, and this is, this is the hard part, like identifying a good setup, like a really good setup versus something that's random and mediocre, because that's going to also going to reflect on your results. If you trade the random setups, your results are going to be random too. You want to find really fun, the outlier stocks. Like you also want to see if it does it have relative strength? Like the best um, time to trade this breakout method is after a pullback in the markets. You want to see the stocks that held up the most, that had big moves previously and held up the most. And if you master this setup, if you trade this setup, like coming out of a small correction or a like say a 5, 10, 15% correction in the overall indices, that's almost like free money for this type of setup, because if you can identify these stocks that held up the most during the correction that maybe went down initially in the correction, but after as the correction went on, these stocks stopped going down and actually maybe started building higher lows. And that's that's telling you something if you have a stock that's gone up a lot and then it stops going down when the market goes down you know the stock is trying to tell you something um, and that that's that's what leading stocks do like every bull market this is obviously i'm going to talk more about it later you obviously need a uh up or sideways market to trade this method um you have leading stocks like leading stocks are the stocks that go up the most and that are the most liquid and those are really the stocks you want to trade, um, and they are they're mostly mid and large caps, but even a small cap can be a leading stock. Uh, and those are really the stocks that they they don't go down when the market goes down. It's like you try to push a, a, like a like a tennis ball underwater; it just pops back up. <laughs> and that, that's really, those are the type of stocks you want to find when trading this method.
2: I know another thing which you like to look for, um, because you kind of said it a little earlier and I think I may have read this on your Twitter. This isn't a word for word quote, but it was something to the extent of you don't want to be, um, blindly trading momentum and chart patterns. You also want to see or have a fundamental angle to the trade as well, um, would you mind explaining that a little more?
3: Yes. Now to clarify, you can make a, v- just trading of uh, momentum and shock patterns, you can make a very good living. Uh, but I think if you can combine some type of fundamentals, because at the end of the day, there are some type of fundamentals that drive these stocks. Like the fundamentals are the fuel and momentum is like uh, what happens after the fuel. If, if like. So if you can identify what the fuel is, many times, like if you go back, like, like I did, uh, study the biggest winning stocks, most of the time uh, for big big moves, multi-year moves, it's usually fundamental related. Like you can clearly identify the fundamentals. It, it may have a lot of like big earnings and or revenue growth. Uh, so that's something that you can find the fastest growing stocks and combine with this method, you will have a big edge. Uh, a lot of stocks don't have any earnings or revenue at all. They're more like story stocks, concept stocks. And right now we see a lot of these types of stocks. It, it, they, they could be anything like battery related, anything uh, like battery metal related, like lithium stocks are really hot right now. And a lot of these stocks have very little or no earnings right now, uh, but if you know what the driver is, we know we know that obviously, like electric cars are a very big thing, and ele- electrification is a big thing, and that's that's a piece of fundamentals you can add if you if you know what these stocks are, like the group, and you, you trade those stocks, you know these. Uh, these, these uh, patterns and these stocks, you will have a big edge versus trading something that's like super random, just a random stock. You, you don't even know what it is. Like, I, I think if you can identify these groups that are hot, uh, they may be hot because of earnings and revenue growth, big earnings and revenue growth, or they could be hot because of something else. For example, like this lithium and battery stocks, that most most of them are really like concept and story stocks. They many of them don't even have a product. Like this QS uh, is a battery stock in the U.S. markets. Um, they re- they don't they won't have any revenue for at least five years, but they have this exciting battery technology. And that's something I identified early. Like wow, like re- I read up on it and I knew all of these electric car stocks were super hot and other uh, battery related things were hot. So I kept uh, track of this thing and once I saw it getting a lot of momentum and volume and i identified my type of setup on it like i i did some decent size on it and that gave me conviction versus let's say i would have traded it and i didn't know what it was oh what a nice uh, momentum stock with a perfect little flag breakout i wouldn't have done as much size on it and i also tried to hold it for longer uh so I, I think like if I would take the fundamentals out of my trading, my profitability would drop a lot. So like fundamentals can, they, they, they do play a big role, at least for me personally, uh, it, it, it helps me give a conviction. It's really what it um, comes down to. Now, when you get
2: into these positions, are you timing your entries intraday? Like how, you, how do you approach that part? How do you actually get into the market?
3: I buy everything at once, uh, very aggressively. I would add, I'm a very aggressive trader with entries and exits. That causes some problems with the size I trade, uh, because I I create these big wicks even on some pretty liquid stocks, just because I'm so aggressive with my entries exits. But that's how I trade. Like I don't want to bother with you know, you spending several minutes getting into a stock, trying to get in between the bid and ask and get these uh, ECN rebates. And like, I I don't, I don't bother with that. I just want to get in and out in a few seconds. And that, yeah. And I, I just, with a breakout method, I just buy everything at once. And then I scale out. I usually scale some into strength and then I use a like a trailing stop, it's usually a 10 or the 20-day moving average for the rest.
2: Okay. And if the trade doesn't go your way for whatever reason, I guess here we're sort of moving on a little bit to risk and sizing. If the trade doesn't go your way, where are you going to stop out?
3: Lose of the day. So what I do is I I buy the uh, opening range highs. And the opening range highs is when the stock takes out. Uh, Obviously, it has to be a breakout first. Um, so it, it, it's not uh, like, like, so the opening range highs could be the first one minute on the one minute candle, five minute candle or, or the 60 minute candle. So whatever, uh, like, like, let's say a stock, uh, breaks a range. It happens to be on the first one minute candle. So I wait for that one minute, first minute candle to, uh, finish. And then I buy when it takes out the highs for the day. And then I use the lows of the day as my stop. And it goes for the five and the 60 minute candles also. Uh, sometimes, let's say a stock breaks, it breaks the first uh, one minute opening range highs, but it may not be a breakout. It may not still be in a range. Uh, and then it keeps on going and maybe it goes up another three, 5% or something. Uh, and then it's obvious that it's a breakout, then I may, may buy the five-minute breakout instead because that's when a breakout happens. So those are really like very simple entries and exits. It's just the one-minute, first-minute range, the five-minute range, and the 60-minute range, and the stop is always at the of the day.
2: Sorry, would you mind just clarifying that a little bit? Are you looking for a breakout on the, the one-minute, five-minute, or 60-minute?
3: Okay, so... Okay, yeah. So the breakout has to be obvious on the daily chart, but let's say a stock is in a range, like you are watching stock like for, for a potential breakout and it opens up, let's say it uh, opens up break even, and then it goes up uh, a few percent um, on the first one minute, on the first one minute candle. So the first one minute candle finalizes, but this, this, a stock may still be inside of that range.
2: And you're talking about the range on the daily chart.
3: Yes, exactly, exactly. It's not a breakout on a daily chart yet, Um, so you don't know it's going to break out, right? So you're not going to buy that first one minute candle because it it looks just another day inside of a range. Like I buy breakouts. I don't anticipate them. I don't like. I I buy them as they break out. Um, So to make it like to simplify it, like I, I, I mostly buy. Uh, like when it's, when it's a obvious, it's starting to break out just as it's starting to break out, oh, preferably many times I also buy when it's obvious it's already breaking out and I wish I was in from earlier, but I use these like opening range highs, the one minute, five minutes, 60 minute, uh, like candles and the lows of that, those candles to, to manage my stop.
2: Okay. So, even though you're a swing trader, are there often times when you'll buy the breakout? So, you know, presumably the high of the day at that point, um, and then you may also get stopped out within the same day. Does that happen quite frequently?
3: Oh yeah, it can happen. You know, sometimes I buy something and I'm I get stopped out two minutes later. Uh, that happens all the time, especially if you use like the first one minute opening range highs. The failure rate is a bit higher, actually, much higher versus the five-minute and 60-minute. But uh, the pros are that you get in earlier on the ones that work. So there's pros and cons. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. Like my win rate last year, and I had insane returns last year, was only about 35%. And the year before, 2019, it was 25%. So yeah, you, you have to get used to get stopped out a lot. And sometimes within many times the same day and many times within a few minutes uh, that's the name of the game that's that's really yeah that's how it is
2: <laughs> let's say you do get stopped out on a particular name are you i mean i presume you don't take that off your your radar altogether you you rewatch that for a, or you continue watching that for a reentry
3: yeah Absolutely. If it's a good looking, like it happens a lot that they, especially when I buy the first one minute opening range highs, when it breaks out on the first one minute, um, the, like I said, just said, the failure rate is a bit higher on the one minute breakouts. And what happens a lot of times is, you know, I get stopped out and just a few minutes later, the stock takes out the highs again. So, you know, I get back in, it takes, it stake it takes out the highs um so yeah it happens a lot i can i can buy stock get stopped out and rebuy it you know within a few minutes uh sometimes not it doesn't happen that often but you know it happens so and you can't you can't hesitate if it's a good setup you gotta you gotta get in back in even if it means you have to rebuy it higher um but that's that's just yeah that's how it is but you also have to you know I'm also very aggressive and you know if I get stopped out I get stopped out I don't I don't think I just get out I've seen I've seen too many scenarios you know when things just keep going uh lower and uh you know you hesitate and now suddenly your stop is twice as big as it would have been and now it's three times as big and it's just you know frees up mental power not to overthink things I just get in and I just get out
2: so how do you manage your positions? Let's say you, you've bought a breakout, it's successfully moving higher. How do you manage it going forward? Like I know you use uh, trailing stops. You've spoken a little bit about um, taking partial profits into strength, uh, which is great. but what about the stop management?
3: Yes. So initially my stop is always uh, uh, low so the day. Uh, and once the moving average is the 10 and the 20, uh, the moving averages, it depends on the stock, the faster moving stops, I u- stocks I moved, uh, I used the 10 day and the slower moving ones I used the 20 day. And sometimes uh, I, I, you know, it, it depends, it depends really um, on a lot of things. Uh, but once the moving averages start to catch up, I, I also start to trail. Let's say I've um, decided I'm going to use uh, 10 day on a certain stock. And once it starts um, um, moving higher, like the 10 day catches up to my initial stops and moves higher. Uh, then I start uh, moving in my stop uh, with the 10 day. So what I do, I wait for the first close. Like I have one absolute stop where I like, okay, I get out no matter what. And the trailing stop is for like, if it violates it intraday, I'm not worried. Um, I only wait for the close. Like let's say um if it's like 10, 15 minutes before they close, and it's kind of obvious it's gonna close below that moving average, that's when I close the rest of my position. But intraday violations are very common, and that that's something that got me all the time previously when I was still learning uh, and experimenting with this method. Like as soon as the price uh, like undercut the the moving average, my trailing stop, I, I just closed it. And then the stock just went straight up from there and closed green on the day. Like it, it, it touched the moving average or undercut it a bit. And then it just rebounded. And yeah, so very important to wait for the close, um, for, for that trailing stop. And then you also have that stop where you're like, I'm going to get out no matter what.
2: Do you ever add to a winning position?
3: Only if there's a good setup. I don't add just because something is you know going my way. Like I said, I just you know buy everything at once. I know some people who trade similar setups than this, like breakout type of setups. Uh, like Dan Sanger, uh, uh, I sh- I'm sure you heard about him. Like he, that's that's also a guy that trades these types of setups. I learned a lot from. Like I know he scales in. He b- he buys like 50%, then 30%, and 20% um, as the stock goes higher. So there's many different ways to do it. I I really don't. I only do it if if I'm uh, in for a longer move. I use maybe the 20 day moving average, which is a bit slower, and the stock builds the next uh, step. Let's say I've been in the stock for a month or two already, and uh, it has a new uh, a a new setup develops, uh, and uh, you know that, that I would buy it and I would treat it as a new a new position. Even though I'm already in it, so those ads. Let's say I double my position in the stock. That that uh, new position, I, I treat it as a new trade with the same with the same rules for that new. Uh, like I used, uh, like I yeah, described earlier. So it's it's a new trade, and the position I had earlier, I treated that trade separately. If that makes sense.
2: That does make perfect sense. I'm following. Okay. I have some questions just around swing trading in general. When you're swing trading, you're, you know, you're holding numerous positions for weeks and even months at a time. Sometimes Uh, you're much more susceptible to moves of the broader market. How do you deal with that?
3: Yes, um, absolutely. So. It helps getting into t- uh, times where the market already had a correction. Like, for example, uh, early November uh, last year, uh, the Nasdaq had been uh, in a correction for a couple of months. Uh, it had a correction, bounced a little bit, had an, another leg lower. And uh, there were a lot of stocks that, that na- other leg lower, they were just holding. Uh, they were just screaming at me. They wanted to go higher. So th- that's, that's the best time to uh, buy these things. Um, and usually when you had a correction, multi-month correction, it, it usually takes a few months before you get another pullback in the markets. Um, unless obviously you're in a bear market. My point is you want to get in the stocks that show relative strength to the market that are stronger than the overall market. And that really helps holding through these, these corrections, you, you know, corrections always happens, uh, and, uh, it, it really helps you. And these stocks, you know, if you buy the stocks that have already proven they're stronger than the market and shown relative strength, they're going to keep showing that relative strength. Usually, Um uh, for uh for some more time uh but yes the, this is a this is a very the market overall market is very important for this type of trading uh like all this like breakouts you know they don't exist in a in a falling market like even if you happen to get one just you know don't don't touch it it's it's gonna fail most likely uh so it's very important also to study uh when this type of trading works and when it doesn't. Uh, and in uptrending and sideways markets, this type of trading works really, really well. And downtrending markets, not so much. Uh, that's that's when it's time to sit in cash, do less and uh, do trade with smaller size if you're trading this particular type of setup. So the market, where a market is super, super important to be aware of, um, at least the market sentiment. Um, like you don't have to look at day-to-day moves in the markets like I rarely do I, I most of the time I don't know if the market is up or down on a day I just look at my the stocks on my watch list and my scans and my portfolio and that and they're usually not telling the, the same story sometimes the markets like the Nasdaq can be down on a day and everything in my portfolio is green and sometimes the market is up on the day and everything in my portfolio is red so when I say be very aware of the market, I'm talking more about the overall sentiment and the trend of the market. And that's also something you kind of have to learn with experience. Um, it's not something you really read into a book. You, you just have to go through it through a few cycles. You have to see a few sell ups. You have to see a few crazy bull runs. You have to see a few sideways shopping markets to really understand these uh uh relationships it takes time (laughs) yeah
2: yeah because i mean that's got to be one of the most frustrating things as a swing trader uh to have you know what you think is a a great position on it's been going well and then all of a sudden there's a few bad days in the the broader market and um you know you get stopped out uh purely as a just for no other reason than the market's coming off but as you said like if you're in stocks which are generally stronger than the market that's that's less of an issue you know on a portfolio level do you limit the number of open positions you have at any one time
3: Mm, I don't really have a limit Uh, what usually happens coming off a correction um, like all the methods I trade I I usually don't uh, trade much when the market is in a correction but let's look at an example like last year with the covid sell off uh, f- that lasted about 4 weeks in uh, from like mid mid uh, february to mid march if i remember correctly so i i so when the market bottomed uh, mid march i think it was i really didn't have a lot of things going on in my portfolio I may have had a few positions here and there so and then the market started uh, this big 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 bull market that started from from that point. And I was a little bit late to it. I really didn't believe the bounce at first, but then I started seeing this enormous amount of setup. So I got into them. I, I went from a couple of positions to seven positions, to 15 positions. And what happens when the market is in a multi-month run, uh, usually is I end up with a lot of positions because I take some partial profits and some, and then I roll that money into new positions, new breakouts, and uh, I can end up with you know 20, 25, and I've had the 30 positions sometimes. Actually, <laughs> so far every time I ended up with 30 positions, it happened three times in the past 12 months. Every time, uh, in the next few days, the market uh, pulled, uh, you know, started uh, like a multi-week or month, multi-month pullback or sideways consolidation. So that's a really good proprietary indicator I have. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, no, I really don't have an upper limit, but I've a, I've had 30 positions a few times. But ideally, I try to keep it between 15, 20. Uh, after 20, it starts getting a little bit hard to keep track of them all. But again, like I said before, in swing trading, and especially when I have a lot of positions, it means they are all working very well. Some, some of my positions may be up 100%, 200% even, if it's some... Some of these uh, crazier, smaller caps, like right now the uh, crypto-related stocks that make big, big moves. So I've ha- I had, a, I have a few double doubles in my portfolio right now. And when they're up that much, and already you know you sold some uh, to lock in profits, the partial positions, you really don't even have to look at them. You can look at, you can look at them, you know, a couple of times per day, like. You don't have to monitor them. And that's that's uh, that's the good part about swing trading. If you, you know, and you have these uh, bull runs. Yeah, it's, it's a low effort type of trading. You also have, obviously have to put in a lot of effort at first to learn all of these things, um, uh, these patterns, the fundamental drivers of the stocks, the overall market. It takes many years to put it together, but once you get it, it's a fairly low effort type of trading. You don't have to f- fanatically look for trades and, uh, you know, constantly get in, uh, get out of stuff like you have in day trading.
2: As you just said, you've got a couple positions in your portfolio there which are up a hundred to two hundred percent. It made me think I should ask you earlier. You said that your win rate was around about thirty four percent last year. What's kind of the 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 ratio obviously it varies greatly here but what's the you know your yeah your ratio of we're talking average win to average loss
3: you know that's a very good question and i have no idea i i i gave up uh, doing doing that type of stuff many years ago uh like looking at the micro stuff in my trading um I really don't have an idea I, I get I get that question a lot on my uh, stream too and I I really only know my win rate because so many people kept asking me about it so I went back <laughs> to my journal and looked it up and I think I think if you get the big stuff right you don't have to worry about the little stuff and yeah I, I, yeah, I, I honest I don't know
2: <laughs> okay no I, I appreciate the transparency let me ask you this question then I might phrase it a little differently you know come the end of the year if you look back at the majority of your gains do they come from just a few big winners like you know I can't think of what the name of it is but it's kind of like the 80 20 rule like do you find yeah, that
3: absolutely oh yeah 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 it's so all about the uh, uh, small losses and big winners and There's maybe, you know, I don't, again, I don't have any data that, but I I know intuitively there's a a few, few big winners uh, that where most of my money comes from most of the other stuff, they kind of break even, but maybe, I don't know, 10 to 20% of my trades. That's where maybe not 10, but definitely like maybe 20% of my trades. That's where all my money comes from. Uh, really, uh, the, the, big ones. And those are like, I, I've said it also on my stream a lot. Like I'm a, I'm a home run trader. I don't, I know a lot of traders, they try to make, you know, go for a higher win rate and try to make money on more trades. Uh, but you know, that's, that's a style I've chosen. It works for me, like try to catch the big ones and, uh, have a very high, uh, or actually a very low win rate, have a very, very low win rate. So most of my trades um, just, you know, even themselves out and then go for that. I, again, I don't have any numbers, but maybe that 20% or 15% of the trades that really, that's, that's where the money is for me.
2: Yeah. Low win rate, high payoff. Yeah. Christian, I'd like to ask you just a couple, I guess, more general questions about you as a trader, even at your level, what challenges do you still deal with on a daily basis?
3: I've gotten a, rid of a lot of uh, challenges over the years, uh, but the things I still struggle with are, I would say, over trading, um, because I do. I'm a little bit addicted to trading. Um, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I I do. I do like. I, I do like to trade, even when I know I shouldn't. Uh, so that does take that. Uh, you know, that that's something that takes a chunk of my returns every year. And also patience, uh, is something like I, I'm like, I know I should use the 10 and the 20 day moving averages, um, as my trailing stops So many times when a stock just goes straight up and especially it's been an issue the past, uh, 12 months or so, or 11 months since we've had this big, big, great bull market after the COVID sell off, um, uh, like the moves are insane. Like everything is supercharged versus earlier years, versus, you know, the eight previous years I had been trading before that or nine. Um, And it's kind of been hard to adapt to those. Like everything just keeps going up and up. And what I do is I just, you know, I'm like, oh shit, fuck it, the stock is up so much. It it can't go higher. Uh, Like, for example, I had this trade in NVAX which is one of these vaccine stocks, I, it went up, uh, I think it doubled or so in, a, in two weeks. And I'm like, this, it's not going to go higher. So I just sold the position. It, got, it, it started getting a bit stretched from the 10-day moving averages, average, which I was uh, intending to use as my trailing stop. And uh, at first, the stocks actually went lower after I sold it. And uh, a few weeks later, it doubled again. And I I was like, okay, um, yeah, (laughs) like overriding these, like I try to override these moving averages, trailing stocks, stops, like outsmart them, but I just can't do it. Like, like, but no, I, I wish I was a robot that just followed the method. 100%. (laughs) I just can't. Uh, my entries are so good. Like I'm so good at the entries, but my exits are just so bad. I just can't follow my own rules and it's it's costing me money past you know this great May bull market we've had it's just yeah uh, that's <laughs> yeah it's kind of annoying but
2: the issue is i guess sometimes it it pays off to override those rules and then sometimes not so much
3: yeah but most of the time it doesn't pay to override those rules um I, I would say, uh, again, I don't have any exact data, but just intuitively, three quarters of the time it doesn't pay. So, the logical thing to do would be to not override my own sell rules, but I still keep doing it. Uh, and my, the people in my chat, they kind of make it fun of me because they know, like, hey, Christian just sold because uh, he thought it was overextended. Let's buy it. It's probably going to double again. <laughs> you know, so. Right. So those are my two biggest struggles, uh, over, overriding my sell rules and over trading. I never, like, I know a lot of people have problems with taking, taking their losses. Like they, they have very hard time just getting out when they get stopped out. They, they, they just hope it comes back. Uh, that's something, that's an issue I never really had. I only remember a few times in my career that I've done it just and I, I got really burnt a few times. And after that, really, I've never had an issue taking taking losses. And I know that's a big issue a lot of people have. And people also write to me on Twitter and ask me about it all the time. Those are my, my struggles still, those two.
2: In what ways has your attitude to risk changed as your buying power has, you know, obviously massively increased over the, the last few years? Yeah,
3: so something I have done really like I, I i've done successfully is i've managed to scale my trading up massively like if i double my account my risk and my size will double also uh, it's there's a lag there but uh, it's usually a few months but it will eventually double too so i'm always bringing my 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 um, my uh, risk and my size up in relative, it's, in relative terms and percentage terms, it all stays the same: the position sizes and the percentage risk relative relation to the account. Uh, but I know a lot of people they just take money out of their accounts all the time to put it away in other stuff. Uh, but I've never done that. I've always, I only take out money when I really have to, like to pay living expenses or to pay taxes. And other than that, I just use the the, the account to grow my account. Uh, all the time and I also I'm, and I should mention I use margin quite a bit um, and I only I only use it when things are going well uh, when I deserve to use margin uh, I think margin is something you have to deserve it's not a privilege uh, just because it's there doesn't mean you should use it uh, unfortunately a lot of people do use it and they use it the wrong way they start using margin when things are not they may use it margin when things are not going well uh, but that's not how you do it. You have to uh, gain some ground, let's say every year, uh, it, but no matter where you reset this. But let's say in the beginning of the year, if, if, you, if, you, if, you, do, if you do well, that's when you start using some margin. Uh, because if things are going well, you should, you should push those periods. And then there are periods you shouldn't uh, uh, trade a margin at all. And maybe you shouldn't even be trading at all. So this uh, taking, it's it's all very relative, this um, uh, risk approach I have. Oh, my attitude to risk, yeah. Mm, I think it has matured. Um, I was a bit more reckless in the beginning, like, uh, like I said before, I went all in um, on all stocks because I didn't know better. Um, but that was also when I much, I had a much smaller account, like I wouldn't be able to trade. You, I mean, if you have a small account and want to do swing trading, obviously you can't be holding 15, 20 positions like I do. Uh, it's maybe smarter to hold fewer positions. Um, but again, like position sizing, I realized, yeah, especially when you kind of hold things overnight, you can't have everything in two or three stocks, you got to diversify a bit more because I've seen too many stocks open down 50% and it's, it's just not worth it. Uh, so, and also the margin related things. When I first got a margin account, uh, in the beginning, I traded with Swedish brokers, the US markets with Swedish brokers, there was no margin there and I opened US accounts. And there, then suddenly I could use margin. I really didn't know how to handle that. Like, Oh my God, I'm an insane amount of buying power. Let's use it. <laughs> um, but I got burned a few times, and you know, I kind of matured and I realized like you kind of can't trade that way. You kind of, you kind of have to deserve the risk. Um, and also, even if you're not using any leverage or margin in your trading, which is fine. Uh, you can have incredible returns never using any type of leverage. I just like to, you know, spice it up a little bit when things are going well, um, because, you know, again, I studied from history. I know that bull runs they can last for a long, long time, and you you wanna you really want to capitalize it if you if you're a swing trader, because as swing trader you you know you gotta sit in mostly in cash for long long times of periods too. So you. You gotta make the fun more fun while it lasts.
2: <laughs> Last question for you. Why do you think your level of trading success is so rare? Obviously everyone sets out with the, the ultimate dream of uh, making as much money as you have from the markets, but very few are able to achieve it. Um, and you know, from what you've described here and your, your strategy, it all sounds fairly simple. It is, you know, not to discredit any of the the hard work you've put in, but no, you know, why do you think so few make it to the big time?
3: I'm glad you. I'm actually very glad you said it. That it all. It's very simple because it is. I'm always trying to take things away. I think there's an inverse correlation between the amount of indicators and profitability. For example, um, I think people focus a lot on the wrong things uh, instead of they, they look at a lot of indicators instead of focusing on a price and what's really really moving a stock and w- how the stock is moving like i really focus on the, it's just purely a price a lot and try to listen to what the market what the stocks are trying to tell me uh, a lot of people uh, they just focus on a lot on other people's opinions. They they may, may be watching CNBC and they you know there's maybe some bear porn going on or you know some uh, hedge fund manager that's panicking on CNBC and you know that that's gonna affect you right and what what and that's gonna affect your trading too like oh wow the, the professionals are really scared maybe I should be scared too and vice versa. And I, I, I think you, if you can tune all of it out, everyone's opinions out, like even, even the billionaires, the hedge fund managers, what I realized over the years, they're like they, ha- they are wrong a lot too, but they have the say, they use they, they do it the same way like I do. When they're wrong, they lose small and when they're right, they win big. So I really can't pay attention to all, any of opinions. Just focus on what the market is doing, focus on what the leading stocks are doing or whatever method you trade, like just focus on how is that method working? Is it working well or is it not working at all? Are there setups? Are there no setups? That's really what you should pay attention to. That's that's one big part I see a lot of even successful traders struggle with. They, these, these other opinions do snuck in instead of just listening purely on the market. Uh, and also, I think also just purely education. Uh, I think a lot of people, even some pretty decent successful traders, I think they would do even better if they really went back and looked at thousands of examples of the of that of that setup they trade or the setups they trade, and really nailed down all the variations of those, and look at the look at also maybe the overall market. Like, what was the overall market doing when there were a lot of setups and when there, when, the, when that setup worked really well versus what was the market doing when there weren't any setups and the setups weren't working any well? I think that that's going to improve your edge by, by a significant margin, looking at all these variations. Um, and then there's also the, the, the leverage part. Uh, you can either hurt yourself or you can supercharge your returns. Uh, by using leverage, but you gotta do it the right way. Um, uh, and also scaling your trading—that's also something. Like I've seen, there's a I know I know a lot of traders that say pretty much trade the same size. They've been trading for ten years. Uh, they trade the same setup. Like they master their setup. They really know what they're doing, but they haven't been able to scale their trading. And that's also a, a big thing that I think sets me apart from I see a lot a lot traders too and that's how you really can make your returns especially in the crazy bull market we've had in the past year like it's going to make a difference of you making 100% versus making 900% it's you know scaling it up as the account as your account grows Um, it's not going to happen instantly like if you double your account uh let's say in a month. Uh I know that's a, uh, maybe no, that's unrealistic, maybe uh, even though you can do it, uh, especially if you're a day trader and use um uh, like a margin. Um but you know let's say you double your account in a certain time frame like eventually your, your size should double too your size and your risk. And I th- I see a lot of people too they just they they can't they can't like they can't push it like um Obviously, like every time you size it up and you take that first big loss after you sized your trading up, it all, it, it hurts. But you, also, you always have to think in percentage terms. Like I always cringe when people also another reason to never pay attention to any type of financial media. Like I always cringe when they when they talk about points. Oh, the Dow is up a thousand points. It's such a useless thing to say. It doesn't really, you know, there's no context at all. Like, why don't you just say percent? Because 1% is always 1%, no matter if, w- what, if the Dow is at 5,000 or at 50,000, right? But a 1,000 points, like, a 1,000 points meant a very different thing five years ago versus today. Um, so always think of, in your trading, too, in percentage terms. Like, think about percentage risk. Like, oh, I'm going to take a percentage return. Oh, sorry, a risk on this trade. And the, and since my accounts have grown a lot, that percentage risk is going to be higher than it was, say, a few weeks ago. But also always think in percentages. I think that's a very useful exercise uh, that may take your trading to another level instead of maybe thinking about points. Um, it's just, you know, instead of thinking about, like, points or in, in dollar terms, like absolute dollar terms, uh, like let's say you risk a thousand bucks usually on your trades but your accounts have doubled and you're scared to take and you're scared to even risk 1500 bucks but actually in percentage terms if your accounts have doubled you should be risking 2000 bucks so maybe get used to that 1500 bucks risk first and then you push it to that 2000 bucks risk uh, just as an example uh, so those are the uh, three or four things, I think, that uh, may improve m- most traders' uh, returns. Um, the, the, you know, three, four concepts that really, really help.
2: Yeah, very wise. I love that. Actually, one more question, I lied. <laughs> I promise this is the last one. Since you've seen this type of success that you've had in trading, how has your life changed?
3: not much really. (laughs) Um, like I used to, like in my earlier years, like between 2013, when I started my Evernote project or 2014, I started just, um, you know, just saving articles. Like I studied, um, like I studied everything trading related. i read a lot of books. I read a lot of articles. I studied a lot of these successful traders like Dan Sanger, like I studied everything he had written, his, all his newsletters back to the 90s. I read through them. I looked at the patterns he was looking for. So I spent a lot of time, on, um, on especially on the weekends, uh, like studying. Like I, I tried to absorb everything. I looked at every single angle, every single method. I, I don't know how many thousands, probably 10,000 hours plus that i spent uh, just doing studying uh, over the years, and uh, now I feel like I I I I don't do that m- as much anymore because there's just not much new under it's the same patterns, it's the same concepts, and I feel like I have a pretty good grasp grasp of these things, and I don't have to spend uh, uh, this mu- as much time doing like just studying. Um, like I do it, uh, but not as much. So. Um, You asked me uh, um, when uh, when we started this call what I did uh, yesterday, since yesterday was a day off in the markets, and I spent the whole day playing computer games. That's uh, how my life has changed. I went from studying everything market-related to uh, doing things that I enjoy doing on my days off.
2: Okay, well, that's a pretty simple answer.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more
2: free time on the weekends and uh, more yeah. time for video games.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. More social life and more, more uh, time spending on hobbies.
2: Okay, okay. Well, Christian, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and I greatly appreciate your time. For anyone who's listening who might want to uh, find out more about yourself, uh, where's the best place to go? You know, Twitter, etc.?
3: yeah you can pretty much go to any of my social media but Twitter um, there's also a link in the in, in, in my bio where you get to my blog and you can read up on uh, you know there's a you know blog posts uh, about me and uh, my methods my setups and also my twitch stream um, where I uh, stream uh, every market day I sh- you should usually stream the first hour and a half or so you can see me trade le- uh, real time uh, I talk about uh, the setups, you can ask me questions, um, and, uh, yeah, those two, Twitter and Twitch.
2: Okay. And what's the link for your blog? Because I think for anyone who's you know, listened this far through the podcast, it would probably be a good idea for them to actually, uh, put some visuals to, you know, some of the things we've been speaking about here and, and those are definitely on your blog. Uh, what's the link?
3: Yeah, it's, uh, shorts and uh, dot com.
2: Charts and stories.com Okay. And your Twitter handle is?
3: Uh, at the color Maggie, Q-U-L-L-A-M-A-G-G-I-E. And that's also the handle, uh, my Twitch handle and my YouTube handle.
2: Okay, excellent. Uh, and folks listening, those links can also be found at chatwithtraders.com slash 212 as this is episode 212. Christian, once again, very much appreciate it. Thanks a lot for doing the podcast. Let's chat soon.
3: Thank you very much. Uh, I'm very grateful uh, that you asked me to be here and I'm very happy. Thank you so much, Aaron. My pleasure.
0: You've reached the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but rest assured there are more episodes loaded with real market insight and zero hype on the way soon.